0: Amen. Good morning, Rocky Peak. Great to see you. My name is Mike. I'm also one of the pastors, and so want to welcome you here. If it's your very first time, we're so excited. Hey, I just want to put my little plug in for that Global Leadership Summit. So we'll be advertising in the next couple of weeks, but this is a fantastic opportunity not only for you to grow, uh, but uh, but if you have any people in your life you've been trying to share Christ with, this is a great entry point because. As you recognize, not, not all the presenters are followers of Jesus. There's kind of gifted leaders in a variety of fields. So it, it'd be definitely have a kind of a, a, a Christian uh, context and. Uh, environment to it, and they'll have uh, certain pastors sharing and so on, but just top-notch leaders from different fields, like Jim Collins, you know, built to last, good to great, that guy, tremendously, a variety of things, and so it's really easy to invite your non-believing friends from, like, work on this to say, hey, why don't you come, because they're going to recognize these names, these leaders, and it's just a great on-ramp, kind of a first step into, uh, hey, maybe there's something about Jesus and Christianity that I've missed, Uh, and so it's a fantastic opportunity. We usually take 100, 200 people from Rocky Peak, and so it's just a great thing to come to. Uh, And so just want to put my my, my plug in for that. Uh, The thinking of it in terms of sharing Christ, it's a great opportunity. Uh, But we're going to go into our time of teaching right now, and inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. We use it every week for this time of teaching, and so I encourage you to take that out. And then uh, if you guys are ready to go, I'm ready to jump in. You guys ready to go? All right, let's go. God, we're just excited to be here and to be pursuing you as a church. We are so thankful for what you're doing in our lives, the way you're intersecting us, the way you're speaking, the way you're leading, changing, transforming. God, and we just, we're hungry for more. We think of your word that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. And God, we're hungry, and we want to be hungrier. And so we pray you'd ignite that deeper hunger in us as we pursue you today, and we try to find out, as the passage says today, what it looks like to please you in every area of our life. You'd show us what it looks like to move from darkness into light in ever-increasing degrees. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Our story starts today, it's in the, uh, it's the middle of the night, it's Friday night, it's actually early morning. It's like 3 a.m., the house is completely quiet. I wake up, and I have a sense that I've been awoken. And uh, for the previous few weeks, I've been doing a lot of hiking because we've got another Israel trip coming up, and you know, I'm getting in shape so I can run them ragged. <laughs> and, uh, and so I feel called, and I get up, and I, I get my hiking clothes on, three in the morning, it's dark outside, get my hiking boots, hiking pants, get my backpack, put the waters in, get my flashlight And I head out for the hills of the Santa Susana Mountains. And so about 3 in the morning, maybe 3.30, I arrive there at the Trailhead, Chumash Trail, Simi Valley, right ready to go up into the mountains. And I got to admit, it's a little spooky. It's 3.30. I've got a small flashlight. If you've ever been on that trail, it's steep and it's narrow. You can't see much. There's no moon out on this particular night. There's only stars that are incredibly beautiful, but they don't provide much light. And so I head out with my little flashlight. All I can see is a couple feet in front of me, and I start hiking for miles. I'm going to be hiking for the next three hours until I get to the church, to the back way. And the first couple hours, it went really well. And then all of a sudden, I turned a corner, and it happened. Well, today we're, uh, <laughs> we're continuing a series that we've been in since the first of the year. It's called Epic. And for those of you who are brand new, not only welcome, but let me just kind of set the stage. Uh, this is actually the, uh, we're in the second half of a two-part series. Uh, it's based on a letter It was written by a man that we call the Apostle Paul to a group of Jesus followers about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. They're located in one of the major metropolitan areas of the ancient Roman Empire. It's called uh, the city of Ephesus, about a quarter of a million people. And so Paul's writing, and he's sharing with them this epic vision that God has for all of creation. And what we find out is when we come to Jesus that we've actually been chosen before the beginning of time to become a follower of Jesus, and to play an important role in carrying out this epic vision to bring all of creation under the leadership of its true king, healed and restored, both this life and the next life. And so in the second half of this letter, Paul begins to get really practical after sharing the first half. He shares what the vision is. He gets very practical. So the second half of this uh, series we've called Epic Living the Vision. What does it look like to live out the vision everyday life, in our marriages, in our dating life, in our finances, in our work world? What does it look like to, to live out this epic vision right here, right now? And so last week we entered into a, a new section of the letter. It's a, it's a section that starts at chapter 5 and verse 3. It goes through chapter 5 verse 14. And the theme or the topic, the uh, overarching metaphor, the controlling metaphor for this section is light and darkness. And what Paul says is when a man or woman comes to Jesus, something radical happens to them. Something organic happens to them. Uh, something very real, deep, and personal happens that, that when, when, when we come to Christ, something happens at the core of our being. There's a supernatural change that happens. We were once darkness. Now we are light in the Lord. Something supernatural happens. We'll talk more about that today. And he says, and so if you want to live this epic life, you want to pursue God, you want to experience the life he has for you, you want to live large, the key is to pursue the light. And so today he's going to give us kind of the next steps. How do you discern what's light, what's darkness in our life? And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up at verse 8. And there in your note sheet, you have a section called light and darkness, epic light and darkness. And so let's jump in. So in verse 8, Paul says, hey, you, you as uh, Christ's followers, you, you were once darkness. Before you came to Jesus, uh, you weren't just walking in the dark, you were dark. So something has happened at the core of your being, a fundamental change. We'll talk about it more later. You were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. By your association with Jesus, your connection with him by the Holy Spirit, you've gone through a fun, fundamental, radical change, Corby, and you've gone from darkness to light through your connection with Jesus. And he said, therefore, live, or in the Greek it actually says walk, uh, walk as children of light. And so uh, catch this, uh, in uh, Paul's writings, in the Bible overall, you have this metaphor over and over again that we're to walk with God or to walk a certain way. And so the the metaphor is that life is like a journey and there are many paths. There are paths that lead to life, there's paths that lead to darkness and so you want to choose wisely. You see it all through the Bible. Just in the book of Ephesians alone, Paul talks about our walk seven times. And so he says, uh, now that you've come to Jesus, you've stepped out of the darkness into the light, you want to continue to walk towards the light. Uh, Just like the rising of of the sun in a new day, you want to walk. And so uh, this metaphor in the book of Proverbs, and we'll come back to this verse a couple times. It's not even on your note sheet, but in Proverbs 4, it says the path of the righteous is like the dawning of a new day that grows brighter and brighter until full day. So as you walk towards the light, life gets clear, you can see where you're going, you're, this, you're, everything's exposed, so Paul's working off of that analogy. And so he says, so you, you are light, and the Lord shall live or walk as children in light. And now he defines what the light looks like. How do we know what light is? And we'll talk more about this later. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. So how do we know what's, what, how, how do we know what's the light? When you say walk towards the light, well, is it good? Is it right? Is it true? Three great questions. And he said, "And underlying this, verse ten, you want to find out what pleases the Lord. So you, you've, you've come to Jesus. When you first come to Jesus, we'll talk more later. You don't, it, you, you don't really have. You don't can't see that clearly. The light's beginning to dawn, but you can't see that clearly. And so you're going to have to pursue him to find out. Well, what does it look like to please the Lord? In my marriage? In my workplace?" In the community, in my finances, what does that look like? He says, and so the, the underlying focus of your life, though, is to say, hey, number one goal is to try to find out how do, how do I please, I don't know how to please the Lord, but how do I please the Lord? What does that look like? And then he says, verse 11, uh, the flip side is, have nothing to do with, catch this, the fruitless deeds of darkness. So catch the analogy. He says, the fruit of the light? The product of the light, the outcome of the light, is good. It's right. It's true. When you're pursuing the darkness, it's fruitless. It's empty. It's futile. It's destructive. And so he says, "Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. Um, He says, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Remember last week... The start of this section talking about walking in the light in terms of sexual purity. We talked about this how in the Roman Empire, it was a much more liberal, promiscuous sexual environment that we even live in today. And we, we talked about that. Even when you go to church there, you'd often have sex with prostitutes or whatever, in the, the temples, the idols, and so on. Mystery religions. And so he says, hey, I, I'm not even going to go there and talk about what they do. Uh, He says, it's kind of shameful He's even talking but he says, you all know, this is the world you came out of. And so he says, so live your life in such a way that your life exposes the darkness. Now catch this, remember what Jesus said, you are the light of the world, so light it up. Remember? You are the light of the world, so let your light shine. And so what happens when a person comes to Jesus, they start getting brighter and brighter. And what that does, as your life becomes brighter, it begins exposing. Think when the sun rises, it begins exposing the landscape. And as you move closer to Jesus, and I don't mean in an irritating way, right? There There's some Christians at the workplace, they're just kind of irritating for Jesus. And they're always trying to insert him in every conversation, after every meal, putting a track under everyone's plate, you know, it's like... Uh, that's what I'm talking about. But as your life becomes good, as your life becomes right, as your life becomes true, what happens is the, you get brighter and brighter. And what happens, that begins to expose the emptiness of the darkness around you. Now, by the way, a little sidebar here. Paul doesn't mention this here, but sidebar, the brighter you get, the more persecution you'll experience. And the reason is, Jesus says in John 3, he says, this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. And so in other words, as you get brighter, some people are going to be drawn to the light. Wow, look how futile my life is. Look how empty my life is. Look how full yours is. I want your life, I'm gonna draw into the light, but there's others who say, I want the darkness still, and you're making me, you're exposing the emptiness of my life, and I wanna stop you from doing that, so I'm gonna to try to persecute you and keep you down. See? So it goes both ways. But anyway, he says, uh, For you once darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Through the light, it comes to all goodness, righteous truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with fruitless seeds of darkness, rather expose him. It's shameful to do, even uh, to even mention what they're doing in secret. He says, But everything's exposed by the light. It becomes visible, and everything's illumined, it becomes a light. And so he says, Your life comes, you'll be shining. And he says, This is why it's said. And now he's going to quote a what we believe to be a worship song of the first century. Isn't this awesome? Like, you the word first century, and you're like going to church, like, what would you sing, right? Almost all scholars believe that what's there, coming next, is part of a worship song. Notice how it's, it's like bracketed off, like poetry or like lyrics of a song. And, uh, and this is a song that is believed to uh, be written by someone in the early church that has allusions to the book of Isaiah, two, two passages in Isaiah. So if you're paying like if you've been a long-time Christian, or if you know your Bible well, either way, when we sing worship songs here on the weekend, if you know your Bible well, you'll see allusions to Scripture all the time. Not direct quotes, but allusions to Scripture. You'll see them all the time. Um, and, uh, and, so we, and so that happens today, it happens then too. And so most scholars believe this was part of a worship song of the early church, and catch this, many scholars believe it was a worship song that was used when they baptized people. And so here we go. So so he quotes the song, and he says, wake up, sleeper. Now remember, in the Bible, sleep is often a euphemism for death. And that seems to be the point, because he says, wake up, sleeper. And rise from the what? The dead, from your sleep in the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so you can picture this. You're baptizing people, right? And, and baptism is a picture of our death with Christ. We, we're dead in our sin, and we're connected now with Jesus. So his experience becomes our experience because we're linked with him. We go online with Jesus when we believe in him. We're, we become in Christ, right? And so we. We, we believe in Jesus, so we're, we're linked with him, so we die with him to our own life. We're buried under the water. We rise with him, and picture this. Picture the church singing over these new baptismal candidates and saying, awake, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You see, you're, you're, the, you're coming into the light of a new day. So you see these metaphors of baptism and, and the light of a new day. And so Paul says, hey, remember, when you came to Christ, remember what we sang over you? Awake, sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shake He says, that's what I'm saying, that you were once darkness, now you're light in the Lord, come out of the, out of the water, come back to life, uh, rise with Christ, move into this incredible future by following the light into a new day. Okay, so, so that's the passage. The passage is, once you were darkness, you met Jesus through connection You've gone through a fundamental change of the core of being. You are now light in the Lord. And so walk towards the light. And as you do, you'll get brighter and brighter. You'll expose the darkness around you. Remember when we baptized you? Remember what we sang? Awake, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ full shine. Okay, so that's the passage. Now, in the time that we have today, I want to do a couple things. Number one, um, I want to highlight a big picture principle, so important for us as followers of Jesus to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus that flows down this passage. And then secondly, I want to come back and introduce a question I think would be very helpful. Like You say, yeah, I want an epic life. I want to move into the light. I want to follow the light. I want to become a child of light. I want to live as a child of light. I want to walk in the light. You say, but how do I do that practically? How do I know when I'm doing my finances? How do I know when I'm going to work? How do I know when I'm coaching a little league team? How do I know uh, when when I'm trying to to figure out how to do my marriage in a new way or to raise my kids or dating? Uh, What does it look like to live as a child of light? And I'm going to introduce a question today that flows out of this passage that is absolutely critical for us to learn to ask in every area of our life that helps us to identify what's light and what's not. So let's jump in. There in your note sheet, you have a section called Living in the Light, the Big Picture. And I want to introduce to this one big picture principle that's so important for us to understand. goes to the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Understand this light-darkness analogy. And it goes like this. That when someone comes to Christ, something supernatural happens. That when, you come, when a man or woman comes to Jesus, something big happens. It's not superficial. It's not just I'm changing opinion. It's not just like, yeah, I used to feel like i a little bit different. It's like, no, when you come to Jesus, when someone comes to you, something big happens. And it is completely supernatural. It was so awesome last night. I was talking ahead of time with one of the people getting baptized. She's recently come to Rocky Peak, just a few months ago. She's given her life to Christ. She's going to follow him. And when we were backstage, I always ask, we interview each person, what brings you to this point of baptism? What's happening in your life? What do you want to do? And she said, well, I started coming here. And she said, you had me at supernatural. That's what I needed in my life. I needed something supernatural. And so what Paul wants to say is that when a person comes to Jesus, something happens at the core of your being that's big, it's profound. It will never change. It's truly supernatural. But catch this, we don't always recognize it at the time, how big this is. And especially those around us, if they're not believed, they won't recognize it. In fact, they will often see it not as supernatural. They will see it as superficial. I remember when my wife came to Christ, she was 17. We had just met about a year before. We weren't dating at the time. She was dating one of my best friends, but that's another story. I will forever be grateful, and he will forever be irritated. But anyway, uh, she comes to Christ. We're at a mountain retreat. It's a small youth group, maybe 40 people right there. And the speaker's sharing Jesus and, and, and why you need to give yourself. She'd grown up in, in a home that uh, was, was, uh, it was a good home, but it wasn't a Christian home. Right? So they're the kinds of people, they go to church Christmas and Easter. And that funny story, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but funny story, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, two parents love Jesus, pursuing him, and so, you know, of course, if, if you're going, a regular church, girl, you know Christmas and Easter, they're two big times when people come to church, right? People don't normally go to church, and so they were always on the lookout at Christmas and Easter for new people that they could, uh, you know, reach out, make friendly, just, be, you know, make them feel comfortable. And so it's so awesome. This one year, at, it's, it's Easter, and there's this couple at the church, and they don't recognize them. And this was fairly small. They, they, it was kind of like a new face. And they went up, and they said, hey, we're just so glad you're here. We're the yearlies. And these people laughed. They said, so are we. And my dad, if you know him, he's kind of an introverted guy, he's, he's kind of thrown, he's going, kind of, no, 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 we really are. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you're so clever, we are too. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lynn, Lynn grows up in a family like that, right, Christmas and Easter people, and they're not really Jesus followers, it's kind of, kind of part of their tradition, whatever, so, so she goes to this camp, right, and the guy is speaking and he's sharing about Jesus, and And this is honest to God, she said at the time, she said, I didn't really understand everything about Jesus. I didn't understand about his death for my life. It wasn't really clear in that. All I knew is that something inside of me was telling me loud and clear, you need what he's talking about. And she went back and she gave her life to Christ and something big happened. It wasn't obvious at first, but something big happened, and she came back, and she was excited in the next few months to share this with her family, share that, hey, there is more to this than Christmas and Easter. There is a real God. He really loves us. He sent his son that we can have a personal relationship with God based on his life and death and resurrection, his life for our life. And we need to know this is exciting. We can receive the Holy Spirit. We can have a whole new life. And she's very excited to share this with her family, and they were less than excited to hear it. Some of you have had that experience. And what she saw is profoundly supernatural, they saw is profoundly superficial. And so they wanted to explain what she's gone through. you know what they said? You're going through a phase. How many of you heard that when you came to Christ? Can I, see? Yeah, I see hands. How many heard that? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, you. you're going through a phase. Fortunately, Lynn's still in that phase. It's uh, <laughs> awesome for me. But uh, she has a new phase, it's called life right? She was an old phase of death. But Anyway, they saw, and they saw, hey, what's really going on is you just have some new church friends, and, and that's what's going on. You want to be like them. What they saw is going on is that, hey, you had some kind of emotional experience. That's awesome, but it'll pass. What they saw is, hey, you're 17. You're going through adolescence. You're looking for an identity. This is your new thing. They wanted to explain what was happening to her in superficial, naturalistic terms. But what happened to her wasn't naturalistic. It was supernatural. And what I want you to catch is when someone comes to Christ, it may not be obvious at at the start, but when someone comes to Christ, something happens to you. It's not just something you do. Something something happens. There's a a transaction that happens at the core of your being. Now, I would be the first to admit that when some people, quote, come to Jesus, it doesn't happen. Jesus talked about this. He talked about the four soils. Remember the seeds in the four soils? He talked about, hey, some people come. It looks like they're truly Christ followers. They start growing water, but the persecution comes, or hard times, or money issues, or whatever, and they realize, that's not what I signed up for, and they're out. And so he said, they're not really, the real deal. He said, there, there's some people that come to Jesus like that. They just want to hang out with a loving congregation. They want to be part of a new community. They want some friends. They They want some feel good or whatever, and and so it's not going to last, but here's what Paul wants us to understand. When a person truly comes to Jesus, something happens. It's supernatural. It's big. You'll never be the same, and it's the most important part of you, and so what you see in the Bible, what Paul says, it's it's like going from darkness to light, and What you see in the Bible is the New Testament describes this change, what happens to someone in a variety of metaphors and terms. And we don't have time to go through all of them, but I want to highlight three of them that I think are most important. Uh, They're not in your notes. You can just kind of write them in somewhere. Number one, uh, the first one is a new birth. Now, in our country, this has become part of the vernacular. We talk about someone being born again, even in secular. And so we miss the obvious. Remember when Jesus was the first to use us, he's talking to a highly religious guy. He's talking to a guy who knows the Bible better than any of us in this room will ever know the Bible. He's talking to a leader of Jews named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, hey, we can tell you from God, uh, we wanna know, how, how do you get in? What's the secret? And Jesus says, if you wanna get in, it's not what you do. Something happens to you. You have to be born again. Now, remember, no one had ever used that phrase. So when you say born again the first time, it's like, he's like, what? I go back and your mother's like, what are you talking about? It's some, just something radical has to happen. Because unless you're born of the spirit, you, you, can't, you, you can't see the kingdom of God. Something has to happen. He says it's as radical a change in a person's life as being born again, as starting over, but this time as a new person. It's radical. It's big. Second metaphor, the metaphor of a new creation. Uh, Paul loves this one. Paul says when someone comes to Jesus, it's, it's like it's so big, it's like the start of a new creation. You know, we were all born into this fallen cosmos. We're all part of the first creation that's that's in rebellion against the creator. And therefore, this world is a world of darkness. We're all born under, under judgment because of our rebellion. He's when a person comes to Jesus, it's like they're recreated. It's like the God who spoke creation to existence and said, let there be light, has speaking creation into you He's calling forth a new creation, and he says, let there be light, and the eyes are open, and we see who Jesus is and who God is. For the first time, the light begins to dawn. We see life for what it is. It's, It's a brand new day. So there in your note sheet, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they've come to Christ, it's a new creation. Something big, something dramatic has happened. The third analogy is a resurrection. He says often in the New Testament, that when a person comes life, in fact, we saw it in Ephesians in chapter 2. Paul said, before you came to Jesus, you were dead spiritually in your sins. Remember that? He said, but you, he said, but you were made alive in Christ. What's he talking about? You rose with Christ. It's like you were, you were spiritually dead, and, and then you're, when you're dead, then God acted upon your life, and he caused you to come to life with Christ. It's, it's a spiritual resurrection. It's dramatic. And, of course, this is what baptism is about, right? Baptism is like a uh, reenactment. You know, don't try this at home. It's a reenactment of, it's a visual representation of an invisible uh, transaction. When someone comes to Jesus, what you're doing is a reenactment ceremony. What you're saying is that before I was dead, I've come to Christ I'm going under the water, and I'm being buried with him, and then I'm being resurrected by the power of his spirit, a whole new person, a whole new life. Okay? That's what baptism is. It's a, it's a, it's a reenactment of an invisible reality through a visible sign. Are, are you with me here? Are you following this? And so the New Testament says when someone comes to Jesus, it's, it's like a new birth. When someone comes to Jesus, it's like a new creation. When someone comes to Jesus, it's like being raised from the dead. Paul says when someone comes to Jesus, it's like the difference between day and night. It's like darkness to light. And you weren't just walking in the darkness, you were darkness. And something happened to you. Something supernatural happened to you. You will never be the same. The deepest thing about you, the truest truth about you, is not that you're a sinner saved by grace. The thing that's most important about you is that you are a saint, a holy one of God, who's been resurrected from the dead. So live like it. Amen. He says, the light of God is shining in your life. It's like the start of a new day. So follow the light so you can move into this epic future. And here's the thing. Like I said with my wife, when we first come to Christ, it's not always obvious that this huge supernatural thing happened. And when Lynn came to Christ, she gave her life to Christ, but things begin to change right away, but... But she had no idea what was coming. Um, We started the day with a story of me hiking in the middle of the night. And you say, well, it's kind of crazy, I know, but that's what I do. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm out there, I'm hiking for miles in the dark in the Santa Susana Mountain. There's no one around, hopefully. And can I tell you, it's a little spooky. It's like, you know what, animals are out there, or mountain lions. Um, you, you don't know if there's people, some weird guy waiting for pastors at 3 in the morning. <laughs> um, you just don't know, right? It's just kind of spooky. It's really dark. And I've got this little flashlight, right? And it's just like, I'm not sure if I won't even want people to know I'm up there. It's a little flashlight. And so, so I'm going this narrow path, up, you know, steep hills, kind of uneven, and this light's just like showing me the next three feet, And you're just kind of walking like one step a another. And so for a couple hours, it was going great, and then all of a sudden, I turned a corner, and something big happened. But it wasn't obvious. What always happened, about 5.30 in the morning, the sun came up. But the thing is, if you've ever been out at 5.30 in the morning when the sun comes up, I'm mean, going to describe this because mo- most of you haven't seen this. Um, <laughs> it's not like you think. You think this this big golden ball comes up, and bing, oh, there you go. It's not like that. When the sun first starts to come up, you can hardly even tell. It's so dark out there, and you're kind of hoping the sun comes up. And often the di- you're looking, and the difference is like it, you're looking, for, it's, it's like total black Starts to go to dark gray. That, that's what begins to happen. And you're like, I'm not even sure. I think the sun's starting to come up. I can't really tell. But as you walk along, you walk towards the light, it slowly gets bright. And what happens is the light, because where we live here, the, the sun is over in the far side of the valley, it's, it's got to make over some big hills. So it's going to be quite a ways before it actually comes up. You're not going to see the sun for a long time. But what happens as that sun begins to rise behind the mountains? You can't see the sun, but you know what you can see? You can see everything else. And what happens as it slowly begins to rise, and we go from black to gray, and then from dark gray to lighter gray, as it begins to rise, you can begin to see the lay of the land. And you can begin to see what was not exposed before. You, c- you couldn't see it. And you can begin to see the path in front of you. And you can begin to hike with more confidence. And you can pick up speed now because you can begin to see. And when that sun finally begins to come up, and you can see the first rays of actual golden sunlight come up. And you've been hearing the birds sing for about half an hour or whatever it is. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know what happens? Color begins to come back. Nothing has had color at this point, but as that light begins to come, all of a sudden the greens become greens, the blues become blues, the wildflowers begin to see them for the first time. In the light of that sun, light begins to lighten up, and you begin to see color comes back into your life. You see? And this is what Paul says. He says, when you first come to Jesus, it's like the dawning of a new day. And it's not totally clear at first. And you're like, well, wait, this whole thing of walking towards the light, Paul, like, like, what is, how do I know what's light and darkness? Like, it's not super clear. When you first come to, like, I used to do my parenting like this. If I want to do my parenting in the light, what does that look like? I used to date like this. How, now, I'm a follower of Jesus. What does it look like to date in the light? And Paul says it's not always obvious at first, and that's why he says, he says, Trying to, he says, try to learn how to please the Lord. Like when you first become a Christian, it's not always super clear. It's like the dawning of a new day. It's kind of dark. But as you move towards the light, guess what? That light becomes brighter, and precincts become clear, and color comes back in your life. And you can see. And so, so Paul says, let me help you out then. Let me help you out by introducing a question into your life. That is you're trying to pursue as a follower of Jesus, what is the light, what does it look like to walk in the light of the new future? Let me give you a question to ask that will be very helpful. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section called Living in the Light, the Key Question. And I want to give you the question. This is based on something Paul says in this passage. So let me give it to you and then we'll quickly unpack it. It's a very simple question, but but it is profound. I'm telling you, if you get in a habit of asking this question in every area of your life and then following the answer, can I tell you, it will change your life. It will transform your life in every area, just like the slow rising of the sun. So here's the question. The question, is this? And you say, what's this? It could be whatever you're deciding on. The situation in my marriage, the situation at work, the situation in my, my, the way I spend my free time, whatever. He says, is this right and good and true. If you want to know what the light looks like, get in the habit of asking the question Is this a situation I'm contemplating? How to, how to handle this? Is it right? Is it good? And is it true? Now, this flows out of chapter five and, it, and flows from verse, uh, let's pick it up at verse eight again. He says, You were once darkness, that's who you were. Now you're light in the Lord. You've gone through this fundamental radical change. So live or walk as children of light. Move to the light. Now he's going to define the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all, of, of all what's he say? Let's, let's say it together. These three words. It consists of all what? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Let's say it again. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. So Paul says, you want to know what the light looks like? Here's the test. The test is, is it good? The test is, is it right? The test is, is it true? And so let's break it down a little bit. Paul says, listen, you go through your life, you're trying to learn how to please the Lord, here's a question you need to ask. You need to say, let's, let's start with the right question. Hey, what's the right thing to do in this situation? Okay? Hey, you've just had a, a fight with your wife. You've both gotten really angry. Doors have gotten slammed. You're not happy with one another. This has been a pattern in your life. You're trying to figure out, so what do we do in our marriage to fix this? You begin to ask the question, what's the right thing to do? We just had an argument. What is the right thing to do? You're trying to figure out your finances. You're trying to figure out, how should we spend our money? How should we get out of debt? We have this incredible course coming up. Let me get my blurb for that. Financial freedom. Get pretty uh, prepared to work, though. Right? If you're going to take that course, you're going to put in some time, but it'll transform your life. Like could give you story after story, but you, you say, okay, so I'm a follower of Jesus now. He's given me these resources, and so I need to figure out how to spend my money, how to make my money, how to uh, save my money, and how to give my money, right? And so, so you're saying, okay, so as a follower of Jesus, what does it look like to move towards the light? And he says, well, you need to ask the question, what's the right thing to do? Don't ask the question, how was I raised? Don't ask the question. We often ask the wrong questions. If you ask the wrong questions, you'll get the wrong answers. So don't ask the question, well, what do other people do? Or what have I been taught here? Or what are yeah, what's the right thing to do? I'm in this situation at work. I've got this boss who hates me. He's persecuting me. He's trying to keep me from getting promoted. He's trying to sabotage everything I do. So you ask the question, what's the right thing to do? Then you move on to the next question, what's the good thing? What what is good? Is this a good thing? We're taught in the Bible that God is the source of all that's good. I love it when Moses says, God, show me your glory. God says, Isaiah 33, I will make all my goodness pass in front of you. God is completely good. He always does what's good. He only knows everything in your life that's good. You think through your life, everything, you, the wind on your face, the blessings in your life, maybe it's a family, maybe it's your job, everything that's good, guess who that came from? He is the source of all goodness in life. James says every good and gift, every good gift comes down from the father of life. Everything good. And so if we're going to pursue Jesus, he wants to teach us how to live the good life. This has been the question of the philosophers from time immemorial. What's the path to the good life? Plato, Aristotle, they're all asking the same question: What is the good life? And so so Paul says, get in the question and say, okay, this form of entertainment that I'm pursuing, is it good in the deepest sense of the word? This priority in my life, is it good? The way I'm approaching this situation, is it good? And then the final question is, is it true? We all have a theory of life. It's the way we were raised. It's what we've been taught. We come to Jesus. We enter the school of Jesus like we've been talking to him. For every so, we say, this is what I've always believed, but is it true? This is what I was taught, but is it true? This way I was, I was taught to raise kids. Is it true? And in our own personal life, Word situation? Are we living in line with the truth? Are we living in with hey, I could go this way or this way? Well am I, would I be true? You see? Are, are you with me in this? These are three powerful questions. That we take together as, a, as kind of a trinity of questions, a, a triumvirate of questions. And we say, okay, here's a situation that I'm facing, and, and I want to please the Lord. That's the driving force of my life, and that's a, and, but I, I want to walk towards the light. What does it look like to walk towards the light? And we ask the question, okay, so what is it right? Is it good? And is it true? Can I tell you something? If you're a man or woman who says, I want an epic life, I want to walk through the life, the driving force of my life is to please the Lord. I just don't know how. How do I do that? I'd say, get in, the question, get in the habit of saying, Holy Spirit, would you guide me? My commitment, I'm going to ask these questions: is it right, is it good, and is it true? And I'm going to follow wherever that leads me. And I can promise you, if that's your heart and those are the questions you're asking, you know what? your path will get brighter and brighter and brighter and color will come into your life because you're moving towards the light and the path of the righteous, Proverbs says, Proverbs 4, the path is like the rising of a new, uh, uh, the dawning of a new day that grows brighter and brighter until full day. Isn't that awesome? Amen. And so, so, so are you asking those questions? Now, today, this weekend, we have the privilege of baptizing 35 people. That have, yeah, say that. They're saying, I want to leave the darkness. I want to pursue the light. And uh, we we baptized last night alone 19 people in the service last night. Uh, This service, we have 11 people. And so we're going to be going into the pool. And I want you to catch this. This is a visual representation of an invisible reality. That when you come to Jesus, something happens. It is like a resurrection, a death and a resurrection. And it's just saying, I am sick of the darkness. I want to pursue the light. I'm tired of the fruitless deeds of darkness. They lead nowhere. They're empty. They're futile. I want to bear fruit that is right and good and true. And so we are going to invite those people down, and we're going to sing over them, and we're going to say, awake, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's stand up. If you're here to be baptized, right down here to my right. Uh, The rest of us, we're going to go into worship right now. The band's going to come out. We're going to worship uh, over. We're going to introduce them, uh, hear a little bit of their story, and then we're going to go into worship. And so let's pray together. God, we thank you that when we come to you, that it's truly supernatural. It's not just a decision we make. It's not just uh, a change of direction. It's not like a new religious experience. It's more than that. It's something happens at the core of our being, that we are changed, That is as radical as being born again. It's as radical as a new creation. It's as life-changing as resurrection from the dead. We were once darkness, now we're now light in the Lord. Something happens to us. And God, so as a church, we want to pursue you. We want to move towards the light. And we want to get in the habit of asking these questions. Is it good? Is it right? And is it true? So we pray now as we come and worship you and meet us here as we celebrate this new day, the rising of a sun of a new day, and that we as the righteous pursue you and experience a dawning to full day step by step as we walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. Let's go. Well, that's the message of Jesus, that one is come who is the light of the world. And what he said is, while you have the light, follow the light that you may become children of light. And when we do, something supernatural happens at the core of our being. We're changed, radically changed. Maybe obvious at first, maybe not. But like the dawning of a new day, as we move towards the light, it will get brighter and brighter until it transforms all our life. And so the message is, something's happened to you. You're not who you were, so be who you are. And next weekend, we're gonna continue this journey. our last week in this section on light and darkness. The following week we'll kick off in a new section. But next week, Paul wants to talk to us about money. And so uh, two, of the, two of the darkness uh, that we have to leave behind is illicit sexuality, we talked there, and greed. We live in a culture that defines our worth and identity by how much we make and what we own. And Paul says if you're going to come to Jesus and you're gonna leave the darkness, you have to stop living by that material standard. There are more important things in life and so I hope you can be here next week as we delve into that, and it should be a great time. Don't forget if you need some extra prayer over by the, my side, the white on the walls over the brown, the, the wood walls right over that area. There's some people on our prayer team that would love to pray with you. And until next week, may the Lord be with you. May you walk as children of light, that you might your day might be transformed, and that your path might become brighter and brighter. And more color comes into your life as you live this epic life you've been called to as your number one driving force is to live to please the one who's rescued you by asking these three simple questions. Is it good? Is it right? And is it true? Amen? Amen. God bless you.